Hello, Scrum listeners. In this episode, you're going to hear me, Peter Kadzis, and Soraya Wintersmith talk about the 2021 Boston mayoral race. It already includes City Councilor Michelle Wu. It may include incumbent Mayor Marty Walsh. And based on comments that City Councilor Andrea Campbell made on Boston Public Radio right after we recorded, it sounds like there's a pretty good chance it's going to include her, too. I'm seriously considering it. If I decide to do this, it will be because I feel this moment demands a different type of leadership to finally eradicate systemic racism and the inequities we see across the city of Boston. Now, on to that convo with me, Peter, and Soraya. Hey, guys. Hey. Howdy. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what I'm thinking of as kind of sort of the first week of the 2021 Boston mayoral race, at least kind of sort of the official first week of that race. Peter and Soraya, all three of us have been working on covering this race over the course of the last few days. Soraya, you and I have been reporting on this poll that we did with Mass Inc. and Steve Cazella, sizing up the state of the race uh, right now. Peter, you've been editing us. I want to start with you, Soraya. Like me, you're not from Boston. Unlike me, you are newer to this area than I am. Is there anything that you've seen in the last few days? I guess going all the way back to when Marty Walsh soft announced for Michelle Wu, but including her kickoff, Walsh's response to it, the information that we got from that poll, anything that surprised you or made you think, you know, it doesn't work this way in other places? Adam, you're right. I am a bit of a dirty transplant and new to Boston. <laughs> I am I'm coming to my first mayoral race here with no expectations. And so from the poll perspective, nothing really surprised me. I think black voters always prove a crucial demographic to people's campaigns. And um, I'm glad that you mentioned the soft announce that happened from Walsh. That was very interesting. <laughs> I haven't seen that happen, that another candidate usurps uh, an opponent's announcement. Um, it didn't sound like it was uh, aggressive or that they were fighting words, but it was an odd thing to do. And it's worth pointing out for all the Walsh loyalists who will be listening no, the mayor did not hold a press conference at which he said, I've spoken with Michelle Wu when she's running for mayor. The mayor was contacted by the Boston Globe. They asked him about that, and he confirmed it, basically. Soraya, before we get to Peter, the grizzled expert on Boston politics, uh, you mentioned the black electorate. I was really struck in the poll that you and I have been reporting on that Walsh actually does better with black voters than with white voters. And I was struck by that in part because one of the calling cards for Michelle Wu's candidacy is going to be that she would be the first person of color and the first woman elected mayor if she wins. Uh, and yet here you have a big chunk of voters of color, the black and African-American electorate, saying we actually like the white guy who's the incumbent. I think his advantage among black voters is 56% to 15%. Did that surprise you at all? It didn't, only because I'm trying to keep a couple of things in mind. The poll is, of course, only a snapshot. And I think that Walsh has tried, especially over the summer, 
um, at least on its face, he's tried to appoint a new equity chief. He did take money away from the Boston police overtime budget immediately following weeks of protesting here in Boston. He did allow the folks who were advocating to change the name of Roxbury's Dudley Square to Nubian Square. That was a big issue for folks there who wanted to name the neighborhood themselves. And so when I think about, and this also goes to incumbent advantage, when I think about the things that he has done as the mayor to try and be responsive to the concerns of Black voters, he's done it in a very public way. And it's happened in the last year. So it's fresh in the minds of people who may not be super plugged into politics, but know enough to know, hey, Walsh did that thing. And that might've been a signal of- A signal of his good intentions involving black and African-American residents of the city, right? Yes. And as city councilor, Wu does have a public position but I don't think she has quite as much, you know, TV time or the space to do things that communicate a signal to voters the way that Walsh does. That's a good point. And she's not doing daily or almost daily press conferences around COVID, which is another source of strength for Walsh that we can get into later. Peter Kadzis, you have seen a lot of mayoral campaigns play out in this city What's your take on the way this one has taken shape in the very early stages? Adam, if I could um, revert to form and edit your question a bit. It, <laughs> I, I, based on our polls in the two days of stories, um, which, by the way, people can find at uh, wgbhnews.org, this sort of defines or more accurately establishes a baseline for people who want to um, follow this very closely. Um, Soraya used the word snapshot and that's very apt. Um, I think it's a very realistic snapshot because while there are limitations to polling only registered voters, Steve Cazella from Mass Inc. who conducted the poll for GBH News pointed out it's it's too early to poll likely voters. Registered voters is a very, very good indication. Albeit in political terms, it, it may be a more conservative. I don't mean conservative left and right. I mean conservative as in um, people of more settled habits, perhaps people who are more staid, uh, perhaps people who have steady jobs or had them before COVID. So th- this is the core electorate that any candidate, whether it's whether Walsh decides to run, Wu, or anyone else is going to be dealing with. Um, to me, the big surprise was um, that in the middle of the COVID pandemic, as as much outpouring of concern slash outrage there is about the broad issue of police, real old-fashioned bread and butter issues um, are what's on everyone's mind. 
Life or death is on everyone's mind. Life, death, or sickness. That's what COVID means. Then you have housing, the economy, and jobs. Am I going to be able to put food on my table this week, next week, next month? Um, it, it's a very practical electorate at this point. Um, another thing that struck me is the degree to which there's a, a shape up uh, or, or the early contours uh, geographically of the Walsh-Conley race with Mayor Walsh having essentially, I'm going to say, in Dorchester his strength and uh, where John Conley was strong the last time, West Roxbury, Roslindale, Hyde Park, um, well, West Roxbury and Roslindale in particular. So um, the past is never past in Boston. And, you know, we can see that shape there. Does that make sense, Adam? Oh, yeah, I think so. And for what it's worth, some of our listeners will have looked at the poll numbers or read our coverage. Uh, but in, if I remember correctly, West Roxbury, Roslindale, your fair burg of Jamaica Plain and Mission Hill, Michelle Wu actually leads Marty Walsh at this point. I think it's 40% to 33% in terms of who people are likely to support. Yeah, I mean, um, anecdotally, West Roxbury, like South Boston, isn't the West Roxbury that it used to be. Um, it's a, a strong colony of conservative-minded voters. Over the last several years, a, a lot of white-collar professionals, PhDs, uh, gay and lesbian couples have moved in. So um, West Roxbury is no longer as synonymous with conservative as it once was. I want to ask you, before we go back to Soraya and maybe get into some of the issues that uh, you just mentioned, what was your take on Walsh's soft announcement for Wu. I heard from a Walsh supporter a couple days ago. I don't think I've mentioned this to you yet, Peter, actually. Uh, I'll keep their name out of this. But what they said to me essentially is the media is making way too much of this story. The Globe did good reporting. The Globe learned that Michelle Wu had called Marty Walsh, apparently to say that she was going to run for mayor. They contacted him and he confirmed it. What's he supposed to do? What's your take on that argument? Well, first, let me say, in retrospect, it's a win-win for both Walsh and Wu. Um, the, the answer, what's he supposed to do, is a little disingenuous because Walsh won't confirm whether he's running or not. But th that's, um, all of us are overthinking it. It's a, it's a, it's a win, for, it was a win for Walsh because some of his people who, have wanted him to be more aggressive against Wu, said, oh, good, Marty's, you know, in, in, in there working. For Wu, um, I, I think she responded very well. Her tweet on, um, her, her, her tweet later the next day about, I've got an announcement to make, dot, 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 and it was about her kid's favorite ice cream flavor. You know, that was a nice, witty reply. Um, for Wu, it was free press. They spelled her name right. Um, it increased um, awareness of her candidacy. And if um, she wanted, it, it, it gave her a, a subliminal 
negative to play with that the mayor was mansplaining her. So in retrospect, it was very good for both Walsh and Wu. That's one thing that makes this upcoming campaign so potentially exciting for me is you've got two politicians who are at the top of their game. Now, Walsh is the more accomplished because he's older and more experienced. Wu has a learning curve. She's a smart cookie. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Fun isn't a bad thing. I'm not trying to trivialize it. The stakes are high as a Boston resident and someone who was born here, you know, my fealty to Boston politics is stronger than anything else. But um, it, it's going to be a good instructive race. Um, and it'll be wild and woolly if it turns out that the mayor does not run. Soraya Wintersmith, you and I divvied up the reporting on this poll. I did the horse racy stuff and I had the pleasure of dealing with people on social media who said, why are you obsessing over the horse race? What about the important issues that real people face? And I tried to answer in a graceful way and probably failed. You were focused on the issues that people were asked about. Peter offered a characterization a moment ago of, you know, people are focused on life and death and sickness, and that's what COVID is. Can you talk a little more about what you learned as you delved into the issues on people's minds including the way people have experienced COVID and also their take on how the Boston Police Department is doing. Sure. Um, I want to note that I think you do always deal with trolls pretty gracefully, and I hope that people ah. understand that it is good to have, I think I've heard it described as a baseline, just point of reference. So as the campaign goes along, we can check back in and say, hey, this is what we saw at the beginning, and this is how it's changed over time. So it is useful, even if it does fuel speculation and it's annoying for people who are not all the way plugged in. That is a generous assessment, and I appreciate it. I don't necessarily agree. There are times I wish I were more graceful. And I should also say, I think some of the people raising these questions, um, they're not they're not only trolls. Some of them are, but I think some of them do feel that kind of the media as a whole that we get too into the horse race. And that's a valid point of view. But thank you for saying what you did. <laughs> um, with respect to the issues, I, like Peter, was very surprised that neither race relations nor public safety rose to the top of the Boston voters issue list. I was struck by it mainly because several months ago, people were in a very physical way willing to express that their outrage over these issues were more important uh, than staying at home and remaining safe, given that there's an ongoing pandemic. So for us to be here in September now, several months later, and see that it did not even make top three, uh, that was kind of surprising to me. Do you think that might be because Mayor Walsh has been so consistently supportive in his statements about the Black Lives Matter movement and people who are protesting in the name of racial justice? I do. Of course, we can't chalk it up to any one single thing, but I think that that does play a factor. In other cities, we have seen municipal and state leaders be a bit more resistant but here in Boston, we saw our mayor declare racism a public health crisis and again, reallocate money 
in light of uh, people criticizing the Boston Police Department's overtime budget. Walsh also appointed that um, police reform task force to start thinking through ways to improve Boston police operations. Um, and so, yeah, I think voters may see that there's less of a need to worry about the future of the Boston Police Department. I think it is apparent in some of what we see in the poll also, because while people did largely approve of the Boston Police Department's performance, they also saw space for reform and almost as equally endorsed the two ideas that the poll asked about, again, whether the Civilian Review Board will be effective and whether um, they are supportive of taking some police funding and reallocating it to social services. And these are both things, again, that the mayor has at least expressed openness to, if not done. If I could take a step back, not disagreeing with anything that Soraya said, but taking a step back, I think when we consider the, 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 the demonstrations in Boston, um, the larger context is that the 24-7 news cycle um, in social media have nationalized many issues that were once local. Let, let's take the police shootings of unarmed black men. Wherever it happens in the nation, it immediately becomes a local issue too. Um, and I think what this poll shows us, and Steve Casella pointed this out, he said, um, he told Soraya that, um, look, the, the numbers about police, to, police issues doesn't mean that these are not important issues. Um, and as a matter of fact, he went on to tell Soraya that when you compare and contrast the attitudes of Walsh supporters versus those who back Michelle Wu, you see what I'll call a police perception gap. Um, and, and that is um, Walsh voters being more favorably inclined to the police. And note I said favorably inclined, while Wu voters um, strike a much more skeptical and questioning stance. Now, that sounds so simple, and it may sound abstract and uh, academic, but really, that police perception gap can become uh, a driving issue as this campaign develops. And if other candidates get in, how their supporters view this will also define things moving forward. So I would say that from a, a tactical inside baseball point of view, um, Soraya identified what could become a very important dynamic as this campaign evolves. Peter, you've alluded a couple of times to the possibility of other candidates entering the mix, uh, also to the possibility of Marty Walsh not seeking re-election, which uh, my take, and uh, tell me if you guys disagree, my take is that all hinges on what happens in the presidential contest, uh, that he's much more likely to run again if Donald Trump is uh, re-elected than he is if Joe Biden wins the presidency. But leaving that aside, as you look at 
this race, look at where things now stand, and look at who else could hop in. Who do you think about? I'm not sure that we've even mentioned yet City Councilor Andrea Campbell, who's widely thought to be considering a run. Uh, didn't do great in this hypothetical three-way matchup with Walsh and Wu, but hasn't yet announced that she's running and remains an unknown quantity to a lot of registered voters in the city. Uh, beyond Campbell, who, if anyone, do you think about? There's um, City Council President Janey. Um, she's an obvious choice because if Walsh does get tapped for a job by the Biden administration, should the Biden administration come to be, um, she immediately becomes acting mayor. And um, as acting mayor and as a black woman, would, I believe, immediately come under pressure from some quarters to run. Jim Browdy has often mentioned the possibility of D.A. Rollins. Would Rollins throw her hat in the ring? Both of those things are a little too speculative at the moment, but that gives you an idea. And then there are all the people who I'm not thinking of. <laughs> you, 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 you know, um, um, and believe me, I'm, I'm in my most caffeinated moments, I'm calling around to try to get an idea of, hey, do you know of anyone else who's thinking? Look, you know, it's interesting that Marty Walsh announced two, during his first term, Two years in, Marty Walsh announced he was a candidate for re-election. Um, now, as we know, he's too busy fighting COVID. And by the way, that's a real thing. I, I said it a bit sarcastically. But, um, hey, listen, on the presidential level, the day Donald Trump began president, his campaign, either the day or the day after, took out papers declaring himself a candidacy. So, you know... Politics in Boston is 24-7. Ultimately, we'll see. Soraya, when you report from our Dorchester Bureau, uh, when you're talking with political figures or when you're talking with average men and women, do you hear other names kicked around besides the ones that Peter just mentioned? I need to jump on my grizzled veteran game and be like Peter and start calling around and asking and trying to see if there's anybody else. I'm deferring to Peter and saying no, <laughs> because I haven't been asking around. I have heard rumors of uh, another city councilor uh, that you mentioned, but I'm just sitting back and trying to watch, man. When, <laughs> when you say rumors of another city councilor, do you mean Kim Janey or are you offering a tantalizing reference to someone else who you're not going to name here. <laughs> no, I mean Andrea Campbell. Okay, got it. In, in, in Campbell, you know, Campbell, like Wu, has an elite education. And um, she also has strong blue-collar appeal. Um, many voters in Boston, you know, vote aspirationally. They, they in, a, in a way, they, they, they want to vote to see people like them getting ahead. And if Campbell throws her hat in the rings, in the ring, she'd tick that box. And she grew up in the city, unlike Wu, who grew up like me in the Midwest, specifically for her in the Chicago area. So another wrinkle you to know, look at. Adam, you just touched on, I said the police response was the, the, the biggest surprise for me. No, the biggest surprise for me really was the number of people 
um, especially in the black community who think it's important that a mayor be born here. Because as one respondent said to one of you, you know, the reason being born here is important is because you've lived the experience. That was the guy who talked to me, Valentine Watson, a contractor from Roxbury, and he said it's great to come here and learn local history, but it's not the same thing as actually living through it. Yeah, that, 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 his comment crystallized the numbers for me. And you talked about black voters on that front. 60% say that it's very important compared to 40% of the electorate overall, which I was fascinated by too. Well, I'll tell you, as someone who lived through the problems, the tension, the rancor that arose in the wake of uh, court-ordered desegregation in Boston, um, there's a lot of nuance there. Now, listen, that was a long time ago, and demographics are just naturally replacing people like me who lived through that. I mean, my first year as a kid reporter at The Globe was spent in part covering those riots. So I notice a difference. I mean, I'm not saying that today it matters as much to me, but it clearly matters as much to a lot of other people. Guys, I think it's a good point for us to wrap this up. But before we do, is there anything that I haven't let either of you talk about that you want to, or have we covered the important bases? I think the only thing that I would add is just with respect to the way that people are feeling the crisis financially. I just want to raise up the point that Cazella made about having registered voters polled and that leaving out a lot of the populations that we have in Boston who may be having a different financial experience with this crisis. Um, When we look and we see that in most of the questions that we asked, 80 or 70% of people said, no, they hadn't gone to a food bank or no, they hadn't tapped into any savings. There are immigrant populations and non-English speaking populations, especially where I am here in Dorchester or people who just are disillusioned with the political process and don't wanna register to vote and maybe having a much harder time. And so I don't want anybody to look at our poll and assess that Boston is shielded. And that is going to do it for another installment of The Scrum. Peter Kadzis, Soraya Wintersmith, thank you both for talking this stuff through. Great. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Soraya. Bye, guys. And as always, thanks to you for taking the time to listen. We'd love to hear from you if you think we got something right or if you think we got something wrong. You can email us at scrum at wgbh.org or find us on Twitter. I'm at Riley Adam. Peter is at Kadzis, K-A-D-Z-I-S. And Soraya, your handle on Twitter? At S. Wintersmith. Our producer, by the way, is also on Twitter. She is Zoe Matthews, at Zoe S. Matthews. That's Matthews with one T. I'm Adam Riley. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News. Oh, I'm Adam Riley. The Scrum is a production of GBH News.